to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. This week, we are continuing our sermon series called Nutrition Facts, where we're looking at how to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so far, we've examined the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And last week, Jeff walked us through generosity or goodness. Today, we will be looking at the fruit of faithfulness. And our scripture lessons come from the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament and the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. But before we read, let us go to God in prayer. Let's pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, You're a God of us all. We ask that in the next few moments, you would quiet our minds and open our hearts to where you might be speaking to us. Help us to truly listen and boldly follow where you lead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first scripture passage is from Lamentations. It's chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Listen now for the word of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Our second scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Listen again for the word of our Lord. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? 
Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You might have seen the social media story from the Roswell Presbyterian Church this weekend. And it said that I was going to challenge something that I said in a previous sermon. I sort of wished after that was published that I had not said that to our social media manager because now I actually have to do share where maybe I want to challenge myself from a few years ago. I preached, as I said a few years ago, a sermon on being faithful. And I said this statement, faith is belief in action. Now here we are a few years later and I both agree and disagree with that statement. I think that this in and of itself is a testament to a faith journey, right? Our faith journeys are ever growing and developing. We're continuing to learn. So I do agree that if we believe something, our actions will be proof. Last time I used the example that if I believed in the laws of aerodynamics, then I'm gonna get on a plane and have faith that it's going to fly me to my destination. And that still holds true. However, what I neglected to insert in that definition of faith is the necessary qualification of trust. Today, I would say that faith is born out of trust that leads to belief, which informs and guides our actions. And that's not as simple of a definition as I used before, but I'm okay with that because faith is not simple. Faithful Christian living starts with trust in God, and that trust is what leads to belief. This might be an unpopular thing to say from up here, but trusting God and therefore having faithfulness does not always come easy. We know we live in an extremely broken world, full of discord and injustice and hatred and warfare and natural disasters. And it can sometimes be easier to feel helpless and hopeless than faithful and hopeful. And that's exactly why I chose to look at this passage from Lamentations today. I love that this incredible message of hope is found in the book of Lamentations. It's not at all what you would expect to find in a book that is all about lament and grief and sorrow and mourning. This book is about a terrible time in Israel's history. Jerusalem has been destroyed, the temple is burnt, and the people are judged by God and then exiled because of their sinfulness. But here's the thing, even though these people were suffering because of their own unfaithfulness, they still trusted God and had hope in God. But why? Because they had seen the nature of God over and over. They saw that God keeps God's promises. In his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, Christopher J.H. Wright says, 
You asked about the Lord's faithfulness? God kept his promise to Abraham when he brought him out of Egypt. You asked about God's justice? He showed that by bringing judgment on the Egyptians for their economic exploitation and genocidal oppression of our ancestors. You asked about his love? Listen to God, how God put up with the Israelites in all their grumbling and rebellion in the wilderness. How he gave them food and water and kept them safe from their enemies. That's how they knew they could trust God. God kept and keeps all of the promises God has ever made. And because of that trust, they knew that they could believe God and affirm the eternal faithfulness of God even in the midst of the darkness that covered their lives. And we now know even more of God's faithfulness proved in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God proved over and over again that God is trustworthy and faithful. Therefore, God is worthy of our trust and faith. But cultivating faithfulness in our lives is easier said than done. Oftentimes, faithfulness means taking risks, getting out of our comfort zones, and living countercultural lives. Being faithful doesn't mean just being obedient and checking all the good Christian boxes, like going to church or telling the truth or saying your nighttime prayers or doing a daily devotional. All of those things are good, but we really need to look at our motivation. I've been reading a book <clears throat> recently called Woven, Nurturing a Faith Your Kid Doesn't Have to Heal From. And it talks about moving from an obedience-based paradigm of faith to a trust-based paradigm of faith. Meredith Miller is the author of the book. She's also a pastor with a wealth of knowledge uh, in children's and youth ministry. And she says in the book, yes, obedience is talked about a lot in the Bible, but obedience is not our goal because ultimately, it's not God's goal. Trust is. If healthy obedience ever happens, it's animated by trust. When the motivation is trust, not just checking the boxes to be obedient out of pressure or fear, that's when we can bear the real fruit of the Spirit, not some artificial fruit. And our faithfulness is cultivated and informs belief that spurs action. And we see examples of faithful people over and over in Scripture. Moses and Joseph and Samuel and Daniel and Paul and Timothy and John, you've heard the stories. And of course, Jesus. Jesus himself went before us to continue to show us that we can trust him. He can be trusted and he desires trust and faithfulness of his followers. And that's one of the things that we see in the parable that we read earlier from the Gospel of Matthew. The parable about a rich man who divides his wealth among three of his servants before he heads off on a long journey. The first two servants went off and took risks with the talent to increase them. Of course, the man is thrilled with what they've done, with what's been given to them, and he says to each of them, well done, good and faithful servant. But then the third servant comes to him proud of himself. He's hidden the man's money and it stayed there, safe and sound, but not growing. His actions were motivated by fear 
fear of the master's harshness. He even said in the scripture, I was afraid. I have to be honest. I totally get where this guy is coming from. He did the safe thing. He stayed in his comfort zone. He's not a bad guy. And yet the master calls him wicked and lazy. To be honest, I think it's a little harsh. But there's a pastor, John Buchanan, and he offers this insight that I completely agree with when we're looking at this passage. He says, the point here is not really about doubling your money and accumulating wealth. It is about living. It is about investing. It is about taking risks. It is about Jesus himself and what he has done and what is about to happen to him. Mostly, it is about what he hopes and expects of them after he is gone. It is about being a follower of Jesus and what it means to be faithful to him. And so finally, it is about you and me. And he goes on to make a profound statement that the greatest risk of all, it turns out, is not to risk anything, not to care profoundly enough about anything to invest deeply, to give your heart away, and in the process, risk everything. I would bet that for most of us, our faith hasn't felt like a high-risk journey. It can often feel like a comfort zone, which on the one hand should be true. We should find comfort in God's love and peace with us and the hope and promise of eternal life. For sure, there is comfort to be found in that. But to follow Jesus, it takes guts. To be a disciple, to share God's love in the world, takes boldness. It's way more than just a set of beliefs and boxes to check. It's about truly trusting God and believing in God and then cultivating faithfulness so that we may truly live. And so it's appropriate that today, a day that we look at what it means to bear the fruit of faithfulness, that we are also celebrating the amazing ministry of the Reverend Dr. Randy Jackson. Randy has been a model of faithfulness to me and to this congregation. And as we send him off into this glorious life of retirement, I decided to write him a farewell letter from me, but also on behalf of us all. And I'm going to read it to him personally at the next service, but I'll read it to you as well. Dear Randy, you tried to retire once already. You really put all of your heart and soul into that retirement. You knew God called you to retire as a senior pastor, and so you did. You knew that God was calling you to move closer to your children and grandchildren, and so you did. You moved states, you bought a house in Georgia, and you joined the church your children attended, and you were enjoying it. That's when I first met you. You were Pop. You were my friend's dad and their kid's granddad. You were a retired pastor. Fast forward, it turns out that God had other plans for your retirement God called you to RPC not only to be with your family, but God called you here to care for this congregation in a way that I am positive none of us imagined. Our congregation went through a time of considerable grief and loss. We were mourning the death of our beloved senior pastor Lane. We were in a time of transition. Our full-time congregational care pastor received a new call and moved away. We were hurting and we were uncertain of what the future held. And God called you out of retirement to care for God's people here in this place. 
and I'm glad that you got to retire enjoyment, or enjoy retirement for two seconds, but I'm even more glad and grateful that God had other plans that were not the plans you had made for yours and Kathy's future. And who knew what was to come? You also cared for us through a global pandemic. I guess God thought you hadn't experienced enough from a lifetime of ministry, but you didn't shy away. You didn't say, this is too much. I've already done my time. You didn't say, this is out of my comfort zone. You trusted God and you reminded us to trust God. You reminded us that God is faithful. You sought out new ways to care for people. You organized phone chains and continued to figure out how to connect with those that were isolated. You learned how to use Zoom, even though you still don't know how to mute. You rocked a mustache mask and were a source of light and love and wisdom in a really dark time. And we are a stronger congregation because of your love and leadership. Our staff is also better because of you. I loved hearing everyone's Randy stories from our staff lunch this week about how you have affirmed our staff. You've made us laugh, made us laugh. And I personally have learned so much from you. You are still Pop and my dear friend's dad, but you are now my colleague and my friend. You are there when I need your wisdom and guidance, but I have also appreciated that even though I am the youngest pastor on staff, you have never once talked down to me. You've always treated me as an equal and valued my opinion, and I don't think you'll ever know how much that has meant to me. You've taught me and us all that being faithful also means having difficult but honest conversations, sometimes ones that are not always met with positive reception. You've helped us plan more funerals than we can count, and you've cared for us, helping us to honor our loved ones that are in their heavenly homes. You've also brought so much humor to our lives with your dad jokes that for some reason everyone still laughs at. And speaking of dad jokes, I wanna highlight something that Scott said earlier this week. The way that you and Kathy have modeled faithfulness to your children and grandchildren is remarkable, and your legacy is evident in all of their lives. It's a privilege to witness, and we are wishing you so much more family time as you try to retire again. We truly hope you're more successful this time. But for now, we say thank you for saying yes to God, for trusting God's plan and call even when it was unexpected and not at all part of your plan. We thank you for caring for all of us and loving us so well. You have served boldly and faithfully, always pointing to God's love and light. Well done, good and faithful servant. With gratitude and love, Carrie. Friends, God is always faithful to us. So God is worth our trust, and we can continue to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness in our lives. Randy has been a great example of being faithful to God, and I pray that we would all follow suit being open to where God is leading and bearing the fruit of faithfulness in our response. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. 
May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.